Thank you, Jeff. I want to join Christina in welcoming our Facebook Live group. And uh, let me give this to you. And uh, uh, first of all, let me reiterate Christina's invitation to these two upcoming ministry events or experiences. You know, um, we, we've been doing these now for a couple of years where we have a marriage event in the fall and, and a parenting event in the spring. And sometimes one of the things we get back afterwards is people say, well, you know, they hear other people who went to it and the, how good it was. And they're like, wow, if I knew it was going to be that good, I would have gone, right? You know, so, so don't be one of those people this time around for the, whether it be one of the, men, the men's retreat that's coming up this weekend or for the marriage event that's coming up a little later in November. And that's whether you're married or you're thinking about getting married, you'd like to be married, you might be getting remarried, whatever, it's a great time for you to come and just be a part of that. I also want to just take a moment. And um, I, first of all, let me thank the many of you who've already responded to my request this week through my weekly blog and our e-letter about looking for feedback about the way that you have been. I know all of you have opened it and read it and memorized it, so I'm grateful for that. But um, I've been looking for your feedback on the ways that God has been engaging you in continuing conversation and in change in your, related to your prayer life and also to God's will. But I also asked a question on a wider scale related just to, to the way we, our, our missional impact as a church and how does that fit in an overarching scale. Because one of the statistics that I cited was that the fact that today, the average person who says that Jesus is the most important person in my life only goes to church one time out of four. So they say, Jesus is the most important in my, person in my life, this is the most important thing to me, and they go to church 12 to 13 times a year. Right? And that's true nationally. It's not just a Hope Chapel phenomenon. It's nationally, right? This is, these are churches that are small, and they're churches that are big. There are churches that are in the country and churches that are in the city. These are churches that are traditional. They're still using the King James Version and singing hymns and got a you know, choir loft with people in robes to churches that are meeting on street corners and everything in between, right? And, 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 and all of them are experiencing the exact same thing. So I'm very grateful for all of you who wrote and said, hey, pastor, don't be discouraged. You're doing great and that kind of stuff. That's all. I appreciate that. But what I'm really trying to get us to think about is what is changing in our culture? And is there anything that we need to be doing as a church not to change our message, but to change that we, we engage our culture? Because obviously the definition of commitment seems to be moving, right? The idea of priorities is changing. Right? And one suggestion on the way out the door says, how about in the summer we do a Thursday night service? So that way, you know, we can still get the worship in, but we, we have the weekends at the beach kind of thing. I don't know. We'll see. So I'm looking for your feedback. And some of you haven't had a chance to respond yet, and I certainly would be glad to take that. And for those of you who already responded, trying to comfort me about our church attendance, you can respond on a larger scale. But what do you think really is going on, and how does the church need to minister in this environment? So all that is aside now. All right. So we've been in a series dealing with the second most important question that we ever confront. The first most important question is, is there a God? The second most important question is, if there is a God, since there is a God, what is it that he wants me to do? Right? And that's what we've been looking at these last few weeks, figuring out God's will. What is it that God wants me to do? And I think it's helpful today to just do a bit of review before we jump into our focus for today. Because, you know, sometimes we hear the word God's will, 
And there's all kinds of ideas that come to mind, right? So let's try to bring it into focus a little bit, right? And, and I use the illustration out of our own journey. This probably never happens at your house, right? But my wife can always find stuff in the pantry that I can never find. Right? And, and, you know, so some of you will have times you'll have these occasions where you'll say, hey, hon, did, you know, did you buy any peanuts when you went to the store yesterday? I love peanuts, by the way. So if you're looking for a pastor appreciation gift, a bag of peanuts, that will work, right? Yeah, anyway, um, I'm easy to please, you know. And, um, and so, you know, and, and, and she said, yeah, you know, and I go, into the, I go into the pantry, and I'm looking and looking and looking, and I can't find them. Because everybody knows that peanuts come in a can except for when you go to a health store, and then peanuts come in a bag, right? And, you know, I can't, and she can just look out and in without even looking and just pull them out and give them to me, right? Sometimes I think we're looking for the wrong thing when we're looking for what is God's will for our lives. See, I think sometimes what we're looking for is, is much more, we're looking for like a spiritual AAA triptych that's going to guide us turn by turn to the magic kingdom, right? You know, and, and and I remember as a kid, you know, when we, we traveled down to Florida one time to go to Disney World, and, you know, and you're following along. Some of you can't even remember what a triptych is, but page by page, it's like, how many more pages we got to go before we get there, you know? Sometimes I think a lot of us are looking at that. We're looking to say, all right, God, tell me what college to go to, what to major in, then, I, you know, then tell me to move to the West Coast for my first job, then I'll meet the person that I love, I'm going to marry them, then I'm going to come back, and we'll raise the two and a half kids closer, and we're looking for the very specifics, you know, when I'm 65 years old, three months, eight days, I'll retire, you know, and, and we're looking for the exact details, like the turn by turns, and God doesn't give us that. What God does is He gives us a spiritual compass, and due north is a relationship with Him. And then he gives us a map that we can use that compass in, but that na- map doesn't na- navigate all, all of the life decisions we have to make. What it navigates, helps us navigate is how we can be people of godliness and of character and of righteousness as we may live out all those decisions as we go, right? And so we, we move to all of that. And so God's will primarily to us, and I'll use a number, though I can't prove this biblically, but 90% of what God wants to communicate to you is about who you are, not so much what you're doing. It's about how you do what you're doing. It's about character. It's about righteousness, right? It's about, it's about being Christ-like in the world. On top of that, we struggle to hear God. And that's because we're not always in a position where we can be good listeners. And we processed Romans 12 a little bit last week where, you know, he says, you know, by the mercies of God, I urge you, brothers, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, you know, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. And says, you know, with that, you be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can discern what is the good and the pleasing and the, you know, will of God for your life. And, and what we looked at is that if you and I are going to actually hear it all, we have to be dialed into the right frequency. If God's speaking on AM and we're dialed into FM, we're not going to get it, right? If we're trying to use AM and God's using short wave, we're not going to get it. And, 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 the, and the things that dial us into that frequency are, one, a readiness to obey. If we're not really ready to present our bodies, our lives, as a living sacrifice, we're ready to say yes to what he asks us to do, we're really not going to hear God. And we also have to be willing to change. Not to be conformed, but to be transformed. So we've been looking at this stuff as we go along. And so last week we began to unpack at the end some of the major ways, the main ways that God speaks to us. All right? 
And listen, I know that God speaks in all kinds of different ways. God has spoken in thunder and in lightning and in earthquakes in the still small voices. God used a donkey, right? Jesus threatened to use the very stones to cry out Hosanna, right? God speaks in all kinds of ways. I understand that, right? But the main ways that God speaks are, first of all, the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. God uses other people, right? And we could talk about, you know, how God uses, teaches through people and prophesies through people and all those kinds of things. But there's also just a simple thing. Those who walk with the wise are going to be wise. Why? Because they're learning from other people, right? God uses other people. Sometimes God just uses us. Our experiences, our backgrounds. It's interesting. I had a conversation with a person on the way out today. They're, they're, they're in the middle of a sickness. They're essentially homebound, struggle to get out, need to have in-home care on a regular basis, right? Not a pleasant journey at all, but able to communicate. They just had a, a home health nurse that's not going to be able to stay with them any longer. And this person said, I know why God had me here serving you. It's because in my dialogues with you, I've come back to my faith in Christ. Right? That's God using the circumstances, right, to bless. And so, you know, God uses us. And then he uses the Holy Spirit. Right? The reason why God said that Jesus said, I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going to send you another counselor. I'm going to send you the third person. You know, God's going to come up and he's going to set up residence within you as the person of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to guide you and teach you all things. So most of us would say, I have a hard time hearing from the Holy Spirit. Some of you may not, but some of you say, I, I have a hard time. You know, I, I, sometimes I don't know if it's really God or not or whatever. And we struggle, right, with, with, with that kind of idea. So I, I want to process a little bit because the Holy Spirit is used by God in hearing from the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is a part of God's journey of communicating to us to others. The Holy Spirit is a part of the way God uses our own life circumstances to communicate His purpose. And so we need to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk about that a little bit today, focusing on the ways that we hear from the Holy Spirit. And, and here are my two premises. I want to start with a couple of premises. First of all, God is always great at what He does. Agreed? I mean, that's part, that's part of what is, seems to be part of the premise, right? That if God is truly God, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, all those kinds of things. If, if God is really God, right, then God is good at what he does. It's not like God is saying, you know what, we've got, we got to send you down to the, to the miners for a while so you can work on hitting your curveball, right? And when you're good enough, we'll bring you back up, right? Or we'll put you on the practice squad, you know, and if somebody gets injured, we'll be able to, you know, God doesn't need... God doesn't need a preseason. He doesn't need a developmental league, right? God, so if, if God says that his agenda is to communicate to us, then God's good at that, wouldn't you say? So the implication then is, if we're having a problem hearing from God, the problem's probably on our end, right? It's not with the broadcast signal, right? It's with the radio that we're using trying to get God's word to come into us. The problem relies with us. And so it's an interesting question then to say, well, how, how, how does the Bible instruct us to hear from God? And I'm going to kind of flip the equation just a little bit today. Because my second premise is, when it comes to following the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the strongest exhortations from Scripture are far more about what we shouldn't do 
then what about what we should do? It focuses more on the ways that we prevent or we create circumstances or situations in our lives where we can't hear from God because we're, we're working against the Holy Spirit rather than talking about... Now, there's certainly a passage to say, you know, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I got to tell you, the, more, the stronger admonitions are passages like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, right? When Paul was kind of ticking off some truths at the end of his letter, and, and, and he says, listen, here's the number one thing. Do not quench, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. And the imagery there is, is the Holy Spirit's like a fire in our life, right? He says, don't go down to the river with a big bucket and scoop it up and come up and just pour water all over the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't quench it. Don't put it out, right? And so one of the questions we have is, how is it then that I am quenching, right, the Holy Spirit? Paul talks about this again in his letter to the church at Ephesus. Here's a guy who was a, who clearly had so misheard God that he was actually persecuting those who believed in Jesus and believed that Jesus was the biggest heretic in the history of God's work. And he was so convinced about that, he was willing to kill and this is the guy who later says, you know what? The one thing you want to, don't want to do is you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. You don't want to make the Holy Spirit sad. You don't want to make the Holy Spirit angry or depressed. You don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And so one of the things that I think is most helpful for us, we could ask the question, all right, how does the Holy Spirit communicate to us? And, and so what we should be looking for, I think it's far more helpful, at least for me, and I think I'm enough like you to get some value. There's some value in this. Say, what is it that I need to stop doing so that I can hear the Holy Spirit speaking more clearly? How is it that I'm quenching the Holy Spirit, right? Rather than, you know, and, and so, so how do I not stop putting water on the fire so the fire can burn bright? How is it that I'm grieving, limiting, restricting what the Holy Spirit can do in my life. And if I take all of that off, he's just going to expand and I'm going to hear him so much more clearly in my life. So those are the things I want to look at. I'd love for you to grab a Bible. We're going to plop down for just a few minutes in Ephesians chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. There should be one right underneath your seat. And you're going to find our text today that, we're, that I want to kind of dwell on for just a minute in Ephesians chapter 5. This is on page 996. If you're using one of the Bibles that's underneath your chairs. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 is our focal verse. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit who sealed you for the day of redemption, right? But let's, let's put it in context, starting with verse 25. Now he says, since, you might want to circle that if you're using your own Bible, because that might not actually be true in your own journey, right? But since... You put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Anybody have a problem with that? All right, you know, be angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. The thief must no longer steal. Instead, he's got to do honest work with his own hands, so that he has something to share with anyone in need, to go from the taker to being the provider. No rotten talk, no foul talk should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need 
in order to give grace to those who hear. Wow. That might be a great family verse to memorize, right, for some of you, right? No, 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 nothing that tears down, nothing that hurts, nothing that's rotten or foul, but only that which builds up and gives grace to those who hear. Don't grieve God's Holy Spirit who sealed you for the day of redemption. It's where it all began in this transformation. If we're in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. We have God's presence within us as the Holy Spirit. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, insult, slander must be removed from you, along with all wickedness. That pretty much covers everything, doesn't it? And, don't, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Now, we're going to refer back to this text a little bit as we go through the, my, my points for today, but... I want us to get the dynamic, right? God gives us a spiritual compass that guides us into a relationship with him, right? That's God's will for us. He gives us a map by which we use that compass that guides us into godliness. We see some of that here, right? Be angry, but don't sin. No foul talk, but edify and build one another up. Don't be, don't, hold, don't be unforgiving, but be compassionate, right? And the list just kind of goes on and on. And right smack dab in the middle of all of this change of progressing into the people God wants us to be, fulfilling his will for our lives as godly people is the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, you know what? If you grieve the Holy Spirit, it ain't going to work. Because that's where it began and that's where it ends is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So how is it that you and I quench the Spirit of God in all this? How do we stifle His impact or role? How is it that we grieve Him in the sense we kind of put, the, put our hands over our ears so the Holy Spirit can't speak to us anymore? And, and, and I want to share a few um, principles with you, some insights or ways I think that we do that. And, and, and I'm really speaking as much to myself as I am to you because I think this is all part of this journey. Because I think the most helpful thing for us to do is not just to say, what do I need to do? But we really need to be asked the question, what do I need to stop doing? And let me give you the very first thing, I think. One of the ways that you and I limit our ability to hear from the Holy Spirit is this way. We just ignore the Holy Spirit in our lives. We just ignore the Holy Spirit in our lives. God speaks, and we say later. (laughs) Right? You know, I mean... This, this, as Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, you know, the fact that the third person of the Trinity was going to come up and take residence within us, and from him we were going to receive God's power in our lives, and, and so it was going to be God walking with us in the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He says, you know what, there's lots of different things, but part of the role of the Holy Spirit is going to be to convict you concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And when you and I sense conviction about what we shouldn't be doing, when we sense conviction about what we should be doing, righteousness, right? You know, considering sin and righteousness. When when we don't do those things, we're ignoring the Holy Spirit. Say, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from you. Just, just, you know, and and, and that, so you're in this thing, you know, when, when you're angry and the line of turning anger into sin is right there and you're saying, but I ain't done yet, and you just... You're ignoring the Holy Spirit. 
When God's challenging you, right, to forgive somebody and you say, I'm I just not going to do that. I don't want to do that. Or there's some aspect of wickedness or whatever that you just, you just say, I, I don't care. I, I like doing that. I'm going to keep doing that. When we do it, we're just like saying, God, I, I, we're just ignoring the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a couple examples that come out of my journey. And, and you know, um, when, when, when Christina and I, our, our first role of ministry when we moved back to New England after seminary was, was down the South Shore. And, and, I mean, I was 27 years old, really insecurity. We're, we were, I was pastoring this massive church of six people, you know, that met at, at an Episcopal church on Sunday nights. And, you know, so there's just all kinds of stuff. And I got to tell you, one of the most encouraging days when this was family that had just moved into Hanover in the last year decided to connect with our church and they were going to plug in, they were going to commit. They were, they were exactly who we were looking for, a young family, kind, you know, kind of, you know, young professional, that kind of stuff. And they became great friends, and they became great leaders in our ministry. And God used them in a lot of special ways. And they were part of the reason why such great stuff happened when I was down there at the church in Hanover. I left there, and about four or five years later, um, I was asked to re-engage with a family, particularly with the husband. And, um, you know, Christina and I had already been to their daughter's wedding and some other stuff in between. And, and he had decided he wanted a divorce. And the reason he wanted a divorce was because he had fallen in love with somebody else. And, and he, wouldn't, he wouldn't talk to anybody else. He wouldn't talk to any of the other church leaders or anything else. But he agreed to meet with me. And I, I'll never forget meeting him at a hotel in Framingham. And we sat down together. And, and he, in, in the middle of this breakfast, this is exactly what he said to me. He says, I know what I'm doing is wrong in the eyes of God, and I'm going to do it anyways. And I hope God can forgive me. Now, that is ignoring the work of the Holy Spirit on steroids, right? But I, I think most of us do that on a regular basis. Not at the same level. But the ways we're saying, you know, I, I, you know, I know this probably doesn't quite square, but you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell this, this off-color joke anyways, right? Or you know, I, 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 I know I shouldn't really be using foul language in the worldly sense of, I'm just gonna do it anyways, right? Or you know, I, we indulge it, whatever, and, and we feel this convicting role of the Holy Spirit, or we feel this compulsion of the Holy Spirit to, to be, be edifying in the life of somebody else, and we just say, I ain't doing that. And when we do that, we, we just ignore the work of the Holy Spirit. And then the ability of the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives just starts to drop. Right? Second way I think we do this. It's not only just when we ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives as it brings conviction related to, to, to sin or to righteousness, what we shouldn't be doing and what we should be doing and how we should be doing it, but it's also when, when you and I just waste the gifts of the Spirit. Turn with me, if you would, just back a few pages to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, if I remember correctly, this passage is on page um, 977. So just a few pages back. This is, this is one of the most pagan cities in the world in the days of, of Paul. It was a place that was dominated by sexuality. The 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 The... the what the city was known for was their temple to the goddess of love, and therefore it was a free love city, right? And Paul is writing to them, right? And, and to this church, 
I just want you to look at chapter 12, verse 7 with me. Just one verse. He says, he says, and he's talking. So there's lots of confusion. They're all excited about, you know, the demonstrations of the Spirit and how cool it is to speak in tongues and this and that and do miracles. And, 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 and he's trying to clarify what the Holy Spirit does. And in verse 7, he comes up with this. He says, a manifestation, a gift of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what's beneficial. So the Spirit gives to each individual something to contribute to the common good. He goes on down below, as you look at verses 8 through, through 10, he talks about wisdom, he talks about knowledge, he talks about faith, he talks about healing, he talks about miracles and prophecies and those kinds of things. And, and you get over into his letter to the church at Rome, he talks about more practical things like help and administration and mercy and giving and those kinds of things. And, and he, so his, his argument is, his, his point is that when God steps into our lives and we are sealed by the Holy Spirit for redemption, that's our guarantee that we're going to heaven, right? When that happens, God gives us a gift to contribute to the common good. And that's to the good of the church, right? And, and, and when you and I don't do that, it grieves the Holy Spirit. quenches the fire. You know, the way I look at it is this way, and this little phrase is stuck with, not original, but when God impresses us with his word, right, or he impresses us with a gift to serve, and we don't express it in our faithfulness or in our obedience or in our use of the gifts, that leads to depression. That means it leads to the depression of God's activity in our lives. It's limited. When God gives us a gift a way to make a contribution to build up the kingdom of God inside the body of Christ and extend the body of Christ out into the world and we don't use it, it's going to be harder for you and I to hear the God's will. It's just the reality of it. You know, and, and I got to tell you, this, this is a challenge today, right? You know, um, because, you know, from a staff perspective, let me just speak just a little bit. From a staff perspective, it is far easier for us to enlist somebody to do a project than it is to take on a role. In other words, yeah, I'll show up and help paint that classroom on this Saturday, but I don't want to make a sustained commitment, right? Because I, I, I may have stuff I want to do or stuff I think I need to do or stuff I have to do or whatever. So I, I, I don't, you know, I'll, when, you need, when you need a sub in the children's wing, you can call me, but don't ask me to be on the regular rotation. You know, and we struggle, and, and, and I'm just using that as, you know, but, but there's ways, and that happens and all. God has given you a way to build up the body of Christ. And you say, well, you know, I'm helping out in the world. What, I got to tell you, you know, there's ways in which, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're a tendon in the ankle, your nearest con- uh, coordination is not with the tendons in your shoulder. It's with, you know, if God's put you in this church, it's a way for you to be connected in this body. If we're not the right church for you, go find another one, right? That really speaks for you. That's okay. But, you know, if we're connected, we need to be contributing to the common good. And when you and I take this gift that God's given us and say, hey, that looks great on the shelf, we don't really hear from God the same way anymore. I wish it was different, but it's not. Third reality. So we ignore the Spirit. And and let me go back and say, sometimes... We ignore the Holy Spirit when he says to us, you're precious in the eyes of God because you've been sealed for the day of redemption. And we want to say to us, no, 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 I'm really worthless. 
I'm not as good as everybody else around me. And we're ignoring the voice of the Spirit. Sometimes we take God's gift and we just waste them. You know, it runs the game. I'm going to meddle here a little bit. Not only do we not want to make commitments, then we say, you know, but I don't really like people. You know, right? So I, I don't want to serve along because I don't like people. You know, uh, you know, the, you know people, people are annoying. You know, I, so, you know, God understands why I, want, he does, why I don't use this gift that he's given me because people are annoying. Let me tell you, God knows people are annoying a lot better than you do, right? So, and that didn't stop him from engaging. Anyway, so we're done. Third thing, I think when we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Now, now first of all, let me be clear. You know, Jesus, Jesus said, you know, that the, the only unforgivable sin is when we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, we can, we can process that out, but a lot of ways what that means is, it comes back and says, when we take what God do, did in Jesus Christ and we attribute it to anything but God's activity, we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. We want to say, well, Jesus is just a good teacher. He's a great prophet, you know, or he's a guide that can show us how to become a God like, like he became. And also, when, when we do that, we're blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Because we're taking the work of God and we're attributing to something else that's not the work of God. Now, I want to expand on that idea a little bit. I think there's ways when we, when we take, the, when, we, when we can misuse what it is that God has actually said or not said. And let me give, I, I think when you and I sometimes say, well, I, I know that's what the Bible says, but that doesn't really apply to me because I'm in these circumstances. It's interesting, and the same guy I referred to earlier, when we, when we first met him, one of the things he said to me is that we've moved houses three times in 18 months. He said, we've, all he's down, we're broke. He said, I, I just got to tell you, we're not given for a while. You know, and, and so, again, he, he knew what the Bible taught. He, you know, he talked about tithing and stuff. He said, but for right now, I think God just understands why I don't give. You know, that's, you can just take that same application, right, you know, and, and, and go along the lines. And, and we can take that in lots of different directions. This is why I can't forgive this person, right? I know that's what the Bible says, but I can't do that because of this, and that's okay with God. And we, I think we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. I think on the other end, when we attribute our activities or what we believe to God, when God has never said such a thing. Let me give you a, a drastic example, and then maybe let me give you a little bit more of a, of a routine one, as sad as a, as a routine one is. You know, back when I was coming out of seminary and getting started in ministry, that was when the culture wars about pro-life and pro-choice were at their, at their most intense moments. And there were actually people who said, God, has, God told me to kill this abortion doctor. No, he didn't. Bible says, thou shalt not murder, right? Now, God, I think, gives the authority to the principle of government, which is ordained by him. We see that in the scriptures. And they can maybe exercise, you know, um, capital's punishment in the right moments. But when we take that and reserve it for ourselves, even though we think we're just, it's murder. And it doesn't come from God. And that happened. Let me give you a more personal example. And I've had this happen to me several times in journeys working. People say, you know what? God has led me to fall in love with this other person, so I'm going to divorce my spouse and marry them. Because God has told me to do that. No, he hasn't. 
<laughs> oh, yes. You know, I mean, it's, it, you could, it's a, you know, if you're in an abusive relationship, adultery or, or whatever, there, there are ways that the Bible comes into that and et cetera, working through that process of divorce, that kind of thing. But when we simply say, well, God caused me to fall in love with somebody else, and, I, and, and now he wants me to be married to them instead of the person that's still being faithful to me, somebody who's still being trustworthy to me, et cetera. That's not God. And when you and I blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, and we say, well, God said it's okay, or God told me to do this. I know it's not, but this is what God's told me to do. We're blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. And, and we're elevating our feelings over revealed truth. Either way. And when you and I do that, we just squelch the voice of the Spirit in our lives. Hopefully that's not happening frequently in your journey or in mine. A couple of other things I want you to point out to, point out to you. And I don't know if this is going to be an interesting point. I, I, you know, when we, you and I misuse the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? When you and I misuse the Holy Spirit in our lives, and let me be very specific. When, when we say, well, you know what, I'll, I'll just let the Spirit lead me, right? And we use that as an excuse to be lazy and not to do preparation, right? Let's just say, I, I could do that. Say, you know what, it's a nice week. I'll just golf every day, and I'll just let the Spirit lead me on Sunday morning when I get up to preach. I don't need to study. I don't need to prepare. I don't need to I'll, just, I'll just follow the Spirit. Right, you know, and 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 sometimes that happens, you know, and and when I was in seminary, it didn't happen a lot, but some of the worst students that I was in school with were guys who would say, "I'm not really going to study. I'm just going to trust for the Holy Spirit to give me the answers when I take the test." That sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? I'm relying on the Spirit. No, you're just being lazy. And I know life was hard, right? Kind of stuff. I got to tell you, sometimes just rolling up your sleeves and doing the work is the way God reveals what He wants you to do. You know, I, I thought of that, this actually between services. When, when I got out of college and I knew God had called me into ministry, I was going to go to seminary, Christina and I wanted to be in the same region of the country. So, we were, so as I'm asking a question, where should I go to seminary, the way God revealed his will to us is that we did enough research about a school in Kentucky or in Texas or in California, and the very best music school that was available was at the church, was at the school in Texas. And that's why we went there. She went to the University of North Texas State, and it's a top-notch music program. And God used that fact that we dug up through research, and there was no internet back then, right? You know, there's a a lot of digging around. God used that fact, right, to guide us. But sometimes we don't really want to dig into the spiritual facts of how we really walk with God. We just want to feel God leading, right? And you know, and, and I experienced this a little bit early on when, when I was pastoring down on the South Shore. It didn't happen near as much here, but, but you know, that was a time when, when you know, churches that were um, more Pentecostal in nature, and, and I'm not casting them in, in a bad light at all. That's not my intent. We had some people, you know, when you start a new church, you drag people from all kinds of different directions, right? They're, they're maybe looking for their new niche or this or that or whatever, or the church they go to is too far away. And so we had some people who came in, and, you know, and we're in our meetings, and, and they're wanting to pray for miracles and all these great things, which is all great stuff. But then you talk about very basic Bible truths, and they didn't even know them. says, you know, I, I don't need to know this. That's work. I'll just rely on the Spirit to tell me what to do or what I should believe. And when you and I do that, we're misusing 
the Spirit. And I think we're in trouble. Here's the last point I want to make. And is, is when you and I just sideline the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, when you and I just have so much noise in our lives that we cannot hear, right? We, we just sideline that, right? And so one of the things is just flat-out busyness. You know, you would think that with Christina being such a, a musician that we go to a lot of concerts, and we, we actually haven't. Most of that is because we've been too poor most of our time to go, and I'd rather spend my money on tea times than concert tickets. So anyway, but, but you know, some of you have been to these concerts, right? And, and we've been to a few, and, and you can be standing right next to the person, and you can be screaming into their ears, and you can barely hear each other, right? Because the music is just so loud, Right? You know, and that's been true with some sporting events and some other kinds of stuff. Sometimes we live our lives where there's so much noise that the Holy Spirit is screaming into our ears and we can't really make it out because there's just so much stuff going on. And so when when you and I don't follow ways in which we create intentional white space, gaps in our calendars to actually slow down, decompress, and say, God, what are you saying? When we're not doing that, we're just sidelining the work of the Holy Spirit. I think another way we sideline it is when we just develop a spirit of independence. Right? You know, it's interesting that we raise our children up so when they reach maturity, they're independent. And we're hoping they're financially independent as a part of that, right? You know, but, but God, when he raises us up, he raises us up to be spiritually dependent upon him. And when we get into a place, right, where... Where, where we're saying, you know what, I, I, you know, God, I can handle this. I'll be back when I need something. We're sidelining the work of the Holy Spirit, right? It's like, it's like you know, the, the fire alarm pull station on the, on the walls, right? God, if I get into a problem, I'll pull the thing, and that'll be your sign that I need you to talk to me. But in between, I got this now. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. When you and I are working from this independent spirit, right, then we're sidelining the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and, and so there, there's lots of different ways. Let, let me pull us all back to, to a place. God, the, you, the number one being in the universe, as Jeff talked about in this prayer, who loves you better than anybody else, is eager and really great at communicating his will to you. And the only thing we have to do is make sure we're not preventing that from happening, right? If, you, if we'll just take the muffs off, right, we'll, we'll hear the voice of God. Stop ignoring the Spirit. Respond to it, right? Don't waste your spiritual giftedness. Contribute. See, you know, don't, don't, don't make sure you really know that what, God, what has been said is really what God is saying, and don't attribute it to something else. Don't, don't, you know, don't get into a place where, 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 where you're just so busy, you're, you've, you've just sidelined the work of that God, because the God of the universe, who loves you more than anybody else, and who has a perfect and pleasing and good will for you, is eager for you to figure it out. And we just need to let that happen. We don't have to make it happen. We just need to keep from preventing it from happening. So God is speaking. How can you listen better? Let's pray together.
Father, I want to echo the words of young Samuel. As you spoke to him multiple times in the night, Father, I pray that all of us would get to a place like Samuel where we simply say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. God, thank you for the promise that you've made, promise that you always keep, that you speak. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see. God, show us how not to grieve and quench and stifle your communication to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for having such a great plan and purpose to communicate to us. And today we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.